please turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We'll be looking at our text this morning coming from chapter 5, verses 4 through 11. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 4 through 11. So please hear with me then the reading of God's Word. Actually, excuse me, I'll start at verse 1, brothers and sisters, so we again understand the context. So starting at verse 1, and I'll read to 11. Hear with me then the reading of God's Word. Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you, for you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman and they will not escape. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief, for you are all children of the light. Children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet for the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with Him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. Thus far as the ring of God's Word. Well, brothers and sisters, what we're going to look at today in verses 4 through 11 of chapter 5 is really the end or the conclusion of Paul's argument from chapter 4. Paul's argument really begins in chapter 4, verse 13 and runs, as we'll see, to the end here of verse 11. And so it really makes up one unit here, 4.13 to 5.11. One line of argumentation from Paul in an effort to inform and to instruct the saints in Thessalonica. And if you recall then back in verse four, or chapter 4, verse 13, that initial question that Paul was answering was, what's going to happen to those believers who have died before our Lord returns? And Paul's response was that both the living saints and those who have already died, both will be raised to be with the Lord. They will both be caught up to meet the Lord in the air when He returns. And so Paul tells the saints, encourage one another with these words. And they needed that encouragement, if you remembered, because they were grieving as those who had no hope. And now Paul turns his attention to those who wanted to know, well, all right, you told us that the Lord will return and that those who are dead and living will be raised to to be with Him. But now, then tell us, when exactly is He returning? When are we to expect our Lord so that we might be ready for His arrival? And Paul then responds to them, telling them, times and seasons shouldn't concern you. When Christ comes back should not concern you. For they already know all that they need to know. They know all that is necessary, Paul says, for life and for godliness. They have all the information that they already need. Yet Paul goes on to describe to them that not the time or season when Christ will return, but as we see, he, return, he tells them about how Christ's return will impact 
First, the unbelievers. How it will impact the unbelievers? We've seen that the past two weeks in verses 1 through 3. As we said that the day of the Lord will be a day that is unexpected for the ungodly. It will come upon them like a thief in the night. It will surprise them. We also said that the day of the Lord will be a day that is misunderstood. The ungodly will be walking around as if everything's normal. They'll be thinking everything is going good in life. And then before they know it, swift destruction comes. And then we said that the day of the Lord, lastly, will be final. It will be final. And we looked at some passages in the Old Testament about the day of the Lord. And oftentimes, as we've seen, it spoke about judgment coming upon those wicked nations. Judgment coming upon those nations that afflicted Israel. And this day of judgment will now find its culmination in the day of the Lord, which is speaking of now Christ's second advent. Right, The, the day of the Lord, that day which all the other day of the Lord's foreshadowed. They were a, a foretaste of what was to come in the day of the Lord, which will now bring judgment to all the wicked, as God will bring a swift defeat to all of His enemies, all those who have afflicted the saints. And now in verses 4-11, through 11, Paul closes his argument by describing to the saints what the day of the Lord will be like for them. For as we've seen last week, although the day of the Lord is a day of judgment, it is also a day where the afflicted are rescued. It is a day for which the afflicted are redeemed. We're the day of salvation. And so as that day approaches now, we who have had the, the scales from our eyes removed are able to read the Scriptures and we can now see and understand what this day means for us. And that's because Paul says we are, we are children of the light, he says in verse 5. And so today we're going to look at what the day of the Lord means for believers under three headings. And so point one is that we are to be living watchfully Living watchfully. Point two, living clothed in armor. Living clothed in armor. And point three, living with Christ forever. So point one, living watchfully. Let us look once more to verses four through seven. As Paul says this, But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of the light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. So let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. You see, Paul returns back in here in verse 4 to this metaphor of the, of the thief coming. He says what the, what the thieves were able to do to the unbeliever, they are now will be unable to do to you. What they did to the unbeliever, they will be unable to do to you, the saints. And why is that? Well, Paul says, we are no longer in darkness. You see, thieves love the cover of darkness. This is the time that they usually come out and they do their work. Right? As this is when everyone in the neighborhood goes into their house. Right? They retreat for the night. Nobody's outside. Right? At nighttime, what happens? We start to get tired. We start to prepare ourselves for bed. Sometimes we might even just fall asleep sitting on the lazy boy recliner, right? 
But we all know and realize and recognize that as the night wears on, we become less and less alert, don't we? And thieves love this. Thieves take advantage of this. But not only do some sleep at night, Paul says, but others get drunk at night. Right? At nighttime, this is when the, the drunkards come out. What happens? The, the, the bars and the clubs open late at night, right? Why is that? Everyone goes out to get drunk. Or maybe you, you come home from a hard day of work and someone brings home a couple of six-packs and they sit in front of the TV for hours and drink and drink and drink and they become drunk. Yet what happens then to the drunkard? Well, the drunkard becomes less aware. They lose control of, them, of, their, of themselves, of their abilities. And what happens? Then the front door might get left open. The garage door is maybe left open. Things that they would never do if they weren't drunk. But now they have become so inebriated that they are unable to fight back against the thief. They are unable to even understand that the thief is approaching as they are caught by surprise and taken advantage of. And yet, this metaphor is a metaphor really about spiritual conditions. This metaphor, this isn't really a literal story about thieves at night. This is a metaphor. And it's a metaphor about spiritual conditions. And so what Paul is really saying is that the unbeliever is spiritually asleep. They're spiritually drunkards. And so when Christ returns, the unbeliever will be caught off guard. They'll be caught by surprise, not expecting Christ's return. But what does Paul say of us? He says, we are not to be those who are sleeping. We are not to be those who are drunkards. Rather, we are children of the day. And what defines being a child of the day? Paul says being awake and being sober. You see, all of our faculties are to be firing on all cylinders at all times. We are to be like those who have the ADT security system in our home. Right? Our, our doors are always locked. Our windows are always locked. We have security lights if anyone approaches that, that flick on. We have security cameras to know what's going on in our life. No thief will catch us off guard. We will be those who are ready and prepared, Paul says. And so what does this metaphor tell us then about the spiritual condition of the saints? It tells us that we are those who are spiritually alive. And why or how is it that we have come to be alive? Well, Paul tells us in verse 5, we are children of light. We are children of the day. And brothers and sisters, who is the light? We're told right in the beginning chapter of John's Gospel that Jesus is the true light. So Jesus is the light. And how is the light Christ revealed to us? We are told it is through the light of the Gospel, right? We read this in Paul's letter to the Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4-6. through Paul says this, In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the Gospel, of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for God's sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God to us in the face of Jesus Christ. You see, Paul says that it is Christ, the light 
revealed to us in the gospel that allows us now to live in light of that knowledge. Right? It is Christ revealed to us in the gospel that causes us now, that enables us now to not be caught off surprise by the thief. We are not to be caught by surprise any longer, for we have been given the light, which is Christ. You see, this world is not going to be be prepared. And why is that? We were just told by Paul. Because Satan has blinded them. They're blinded. They cannot see. But for those of us who have been enlightened, who can now see, right? we are children of the light and we are children of the day because we have Christ. We are now have come to be identified with Christ. We have come to be united with Christ. And now we are impacted by that light. And so Paul's message thus far really is this. Because you are now identified with Christ, you have been enabled to live expectantly for the day of the Lord. This is Paul's message. Because you are children of the light, you have been uh, identified with the light now through faith in Christ, you can live expectantly for the day of the Lord. This is why the thief will not surprise us. Because we have the light who is Christ. And we have been illuminated in heart and in mind. We have been enlightened as to what manner of living God expects of us as we await the arrival of Christ. And so Paul's message is do it. Do it. Be who you are. Children of the light. Children of the day. This is what Paul is telling the saints. This is in contrast to the world. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, For the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. You see, they don't have Christ, so they don't understand, nor can they understand His Word. Christ's Word is foolishness to this world. But what is true then of you and I? Well, just two verses before that, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12, Paul says this, Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given to us by God. You see, brothers and sisters, we and the saints in Thessalonica can receive the Word, and we can understand the Word, and we can heed its instructions. Not because we're so much smarter than the rest of the world, Although sometimes we like to think that, right? We like to think ourselves smart and them dumb. That's not the case, right? We can understand these things and we can heed the instructions because what? Because we have been told that we have been given the Holy Spirit freely by God so that we might understand these things. And so now we can understand what has been revealed to us and we can accept it and its truthfulness because we know who its author is, right? Its author is God, right? We can think of it another way. Let me give you an example. Let's say that you, there's two armies. There's two, two warring armies. And both armies are given a map of where the other army is. And if they use that map, they are able to defeat their enemy. But one of the, one of the armies, when they get this map, they're unable to read the map. And they don't want to admit it because they're prideful and they're arrogant. And they don't think they need any help anyway. And they don't even trust the, uh, the reliability of the map. And so they just continue on preparing for battle as they would any other day. But the other army, they get the map and they believe the information. They trust the source. 
And so what do they do? They use the map to go find the enemy's encampment. And when they're most vulnerable, they pounce and defeat them and win the war. This is one way of thinking about what Paul's saying to us here. By being in Christ, we are now able to read the map. We are now able to do what we otherwise could not do prior to have been given the Holy Spirit. right? And that is be prepared for the day of the Lord. Now that we are children of light, brothers and sisters, we are able to do what we could not otherwise do. We can now be prepared for the day of the Lord. And what does Paul say that this pre- preparation, this prepared or expectant living looks like? Well, he says that it means being watchful or self-controlled. This is what he says in verse 6. So then, because we are our Christ, let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and sober, he says. Right? This is what he says in verse 6. And so, awake can be translated watchful or alert. And the word sober can be translated self-controlled. And so, we're being told to be watchful and self-controlled. To be awake and sober. And so if we are to be watchful and self-controlled, is is Paul telling us that we are to to sit on our windowsill and just stare out the window watchful for Christ's return? And that we are to be self-controlled and not not getting up from our our seat? Is Is that what Paul is telling us? Of course not. That's not what Paul is telling us. So what then does it mean to be watchful? What does it mean to be self-controlled? Well, it's the opposite of its counterpart in this metaphor, which is sleep and drunkenness. You see, watchful is opposite sleep. And um, opposite drunkenness is self-control, right? And so we see that the one who is sleeping and drunk is taken advantage of. And so it means, brothers and sisters, that Paul is telling us that we are to be spiritually alert so as not to be taken advantage of. We are to be those who are tending to our souls, watching over our souls. Because the soul unattended to is the one that is easily taken advantage of. So we are to tend to our souls. We are to keep ourselves alert. The watchful person will keep themselves from evil. They will keep themselves from laziness, from idleness, from sinfulness. The one who is self-controlled will not be easily distracted or manipulated into engaging in sinful practices. And we by nature know that we are sleepy and drunkard spiritually, aren't we? And so this means we must constantly be keeping ourselves alert, tending to our souls, staying vigilant. This is what Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. He warns the saints, keep alert or keep watchful. How? With all perseverance, he says. Keep watchful with all perseverance. And how do we do this, brothers and sisters? How do we keep ourselves watchful until the great day of the Lord? We do this through daily prayer. We do this through daily reading of the Scriptures. We do this through daily family worship. We do this through gathering corporately on the Lord's Day. Right? This is how we keep ourselves watchful. Right? Not allowing ourselves to become idle. Not allowing opportunity for sin to creep in. And some might say, well, this life sounds like no fun. Sounds like no fun if this is what being a Christian means. But for us, worship, prayer, 
fellowship of the saints, meditation upon God's Word. It sounds like fun to me. Sounds like fun to me. These are the things that we as Christians ought to find fulfilling in our life. These things ought to be the source of our happiness in our life. This is what Paul tells us. This is what characterizes being the new creation. Turn with me to Romans 6, please. Romans 6, as we look at what it means to no longer be like the world, like the ungodly, but rather what it means to be a saint. What is to characterize our life? Romans chapter 6, verse 1. Paul says this, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? We were buried therefore with Him in baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Then move your eyes down to verse 12. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make it obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought forth from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. You see, brothers and sisters, this characterizes the new creation. This characterizes our life and how it is to be lived expectantly for the day of the Lord. And so the question is, how then do we cultivate this in our life? And Wilhelmus Abrakel, in his Christian's Reasonable Service, offers to us through Ecclesiastes, a good principle to live by. And he quotes Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. Hear with me the, this quote. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Now, Abrakel uses this text to say that as Christians, as those who are called to be watchful, that it is incumbent upon us to keep company with others who are watchful. And doesn't this make sense? If one of us becomes spiritually lethargic, the other who is watchful can nudge us and awaken us out of our slumber. We can think about it even as husband and wives or, or as children. We've all watched movies together. Right? And what happens? Usually, one starts to doze off, right? And if you're nice, you just give them a, you just give them a nudge. If you're being a little more mean and you're a, a, a 14-year-old kid, you might flick your brother's ear. Right? But you do something to awaken them out of their slumber. And this is the very thing that we are called to do here on earth as brothers and sisters. We are to keep company with others who are watchful so that we might not stumble and fall. So that we might be able to awaken one if they do stumble. Right? 
You see, if we don't keep company with the watchful and instead keep company with the ungodly, what do you think will happen? They're going to lead you down wrong paths, sinful paths, and they're not going to nudge you in the right direction. Rather, they're going to continue to take you down that beaten path until you stumble and fall and neither one of you can awaken out of it. See, we are to be keeping Christian company. This helps both partners. It helps both friends live in a godly manner. It helps us to encourage one another to, to seek after purity in our lives. It, it, it stands as a way for us to help one another if we stumble, even as a way to offer a gentle rebuke if a brother or sister is in need of that. Right? Yet, since it is Christ who awakens us, it is He that we must constantly be going back to to ask Him for all that we need in order that we might stay vigilant until the end. And so this covers point one. You see that we are identified with Christ and as being now identified with Him as children of light, we have been rendered capable, able to live watchfully and self-controlled until Christ returns so that that day will not catch us by surprise. We won't be spiritually caught off guard. We will be ready and prepared for His coming. And what is the basis then of that readiness? Well, this takes us to point two. Paul says in verse eight, But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. You see, brothers and sisters, we will be ready. We will be watchful. We will be self-controlled because we have on faith, hope, and love. This is our second point. Living clothed in armor. Now what's important to see from this text is that we have already have these things. We already have them. Right? This verse 8 is talking about putting on armor that is some, that has already occurred, has already happened. Paul isn't telling the saints here, make every human effort to put on faith, hope, and love. Do all that you can to put on uh, the breastplate and the helmet. Do all that you can, brothers and sisters, to be children of the light and not children of the dark. No, that's not what Paul is saying here. Rather, what he's describing is a reality that already exists in all of our lives if you are a believer by the work of God. This is the language used. He says, since we belong to the day, let us be sober, let us be sober having put on in past tense our breastplate and helmet. Because we belong to Christ, we have faith, hope, and love. We're not to try to be clothing ourselves with armor, but rather it is God who has placed the armor upon us. And so Paul's message that he is conveying to the saints is that we are to reflect the one whose image we bear. Instead of worrying about Time and season when Christ returns, put your energy into progressing in the graces you already have and readying yourselves for the day of the Lord whenever it comes. You see, one reason I think the saints want to know when Christ is going to arrive, the time and the season, is because just like you and I, if we know that we had a paper due in school a month from now, what happens? We wait to the weekend before the papers do and we crank that baby out, don't we? But Paul's saying that's not how Christians are to live. We aren't to live that way. 
We are to live every single day of our lives in expectation for Christ's arrival. Not knowing ought to motivate us to live in such a manner. And so we are always to be readying ourselves, dedicating all of our time and energy towards this. And let me tell you something, brothers and sisters. Let me tell you something. The one who dedicates themselves to this, the one who dedicates themselves in putting all of their energy and staying vigilant and ready and progressing in faith, hope, and love to the aid of the, the Spirit and the grace of God, you will not be found to be unprepared when Christ returns. You will not be negligent. You will not be found wanting when Christ returns. And shouldn't that be all, all that all of us want? We all want to be ready for our Savior. We all want to be, when, when Christ returns, be said, my good and faithful servant, don't we? This is what brings glory to God. This is what pleases God. And this is what we all should want. Right? You don't want to be the one unprepared when Christ returns. As, as our Lord descends saying, wait Lord, not yet. I need five more minutes to tidy up. You don't want to be that one. And we read from Jesus' own lips in Matthew's Gospel what He expects of the saints when He returns and what He will, will be the just recompense of the ungodly when He returns. Turn with me once more to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 24, verses 45 to 51. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 24, 45 through 51. Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom his master has set over his household to give them their food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. But if that wicked servant says to himself, My master is delayed, and begins to beat his fellow servants, and eats and drinks with the drunkards, the master of that servant will come on that day, when he does not expect him, and at that hour he does not know, and will cut him in pieces, and put him with the hypocrites, in that place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. You see, brothers and sisters, we are told, the faithful servant will be found doing exactly what we have been tasked to do by our Lord. This is why it is so important to be living clothed in armor. This is why it is paramount for our spiritual survival. Because harm will come to those without it. Think about playing in the NFL without any armor. Think about if you played in the NFL with no pads on. That means sure death, doesn't it? Having 250 to 350 muscle-bound uh, muscle men just launching themselves at you, play after play after play, you surely are going to die from your internal injuries, aren't you? Right? Same for those without the armor of God who do not have His protection. They too will suffer death, but eternal death. But blessed is the servant found doing what his master has instructed him to do. Those will be the ones who have been clothed in the armor of God. And God's armor protects us. God's armor is much more effective and far stronger than any armor the police or military could offer you. God's armor enables us to live faithfully in Christ. 
God's armor allows us to love God and neighbor. God's armor allows us to persevere with hope until the arrival of Christ. You see, living clothed in armor means living in light of who we are in Jesus Christ. Living expectantly for the day of the Lord by the grace we have been given. And that is not just some days, but every single day. And that leads us then into our third and final point of the morning. The day of the Lord for the believer means that we live with Christ forever. Look down at verse 9 as Paul says, For God has not destined us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with Him. This gets back to Paul's initial initial message from chapter 4, verses 13 to 18. If you recall at the end, he tells the saints, Right, that, that all, both living and dead, will be raised with Christ. Those who are awake and sleep will be raised with Christ. And then he ends in verse 18 by saying, therefore, encourage one another with these words. Right? Encourage one another, knowing that no one's going to be left out. And now Paul returns to this message when he tells the saints that Christ died for you, so whether you are awake or you are sleeping, you will be with the Lord forever. No one's going to miss out. No one will be left out. And how is it that we are able to be with the Lord forever? How is it that we know that this will surely come to pass? How do we know that we are not going to be one of those who fall into God's judgment when He returns? Well, Paul tells us, because Christ died for you and for I. Christ died for us. Christ died for us. And in the death of Christ, in the shedding of His blood, in His death and in His burial and in His resurrection, And in His being seated at the right hand of the Father, He has procured for you and I eternal life with Him forever. This is the great promise Jesus gave us in John's Gospel. John chapter 6, verse 38 and 39. Jesus says, For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but to do the will of Him who sent me. And this is the will of Him who sent me that I should lose nothing of all that He has given me, but raise it up on the last day. You see, our destiny, brothers and sisters, by the very will of God, is to be raised up on the last day to be with the Lord forever. We have been saved for the very purpose of having eternal fellowship with God forever. We have not been destined to wrath, Paul says. But our destiny is salvation through Christ. And if this is the very will and purpose of God, can it be thwarted? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. And so this is why we need to be protected and clothed in God's armor. So that we be not deceived by Satan. So that we can engage in spiritual warfare while we traverse this earth. And that we might still be victorious because of what Christ accomplished for us on the cross. This is why we are told now to be watchful and self-controlled until the coming of our Lord. Because He is returning to gather us into Himself. This is God's instruction for His people. This is what our lives should be characterized by as those who are destined for salvation. And so in knowing this, brothers and sisters, shouldn't this be a great encouragement to us? What more motivating words do we need 
in order that we might live righteously until Christ arrives. This is why Paul ends in verse 11, the very same way he ended chapter 4. By saying, therefore, encourage one another. Build one another up just as you are doing. Knowing this, that if you are a believer here today, that you are destined to salvation, there is no greater source of encouragement for us. And so although you may live bogged down with the troubles of this life, many there's many people today walking around saying, is this all that life has to offer me? This dead-end job that I go to every single day, that I live paycheck to paycheck. Maybe you were born with some uh, uh, illness, some condition that's going to afflict you the entirety of your life, and you say to yourself, is this all that life has to offer me? That I have to go through this my whole entire life? And really the answer is no. The answer is no if you are a believer. And so you should be encouraged by that if you ever thought this yourself sitting here today. You should be encouraged and you should encourage one another knowing that you are destined for salvation to be with the Lord forever where all these troubles will go away. They will pass away. And so, brothers and sisters, as we draw to a close this morning, I hope that you all have come to to better understand, to have a, a better grasp of this text here, starting from chapter 4, verse 13, and running to to 5.11. So often, this portion of Scripture is made to seem very complicated and difficult. And sometimes we can can psych ourselves out when we approach texts like this that that are oftentimes much debated. But I hope that we've seen over the, the past four weeks that the arguments are are pretty simple. They're not that complicated. Paul tells us that when the, the day of the Lord comes, when He returns, the wicked will be judged. Right? The godly will be rescued. They will enter eternal salvation. The wicked, eternal destruction. So until that day arrives, Paul's message for us is that our Christian duty is to be prepared. Is to be prepared. We have already been united to Christ. Our identity is found in Him. He has already given to us the breastplate and the helmet. And so now we are called to live in light of this reality. We are to live expectantly for the day of the Lord. As we are now enabled to live watchfully and self-controlled, being children of light, so that when Christ returns, that day of the Lord will not surprise you and I. Please bow your heads with me in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank You again for Your Word, for the truthfulness of Your Word, that You have given us Your Word not only as a means by which we can live unto godliness as You have called us, but You have also given us Your Word as an encouragement to us, as an assurance to us. And so, Father, we are so thankful for this encouragement, knowing that the day of the Lord will not surprise us like a thief, as You have called us to be prepared, to live in light of who we are in Jesus Christ, to be watchful and alert and self-controlled as we wait His arrival. And so, Father, we pray that the Spirit would help apply these truths to our hearts and that we might live out what we have learned, that we might continue to progress and grow in all of the graces uh, 
through the aid of the Holy Spirit. And so, Father, we come before you this day asking all these things. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.